ages women have been told that their worth and beauty is defined by how much jewelry they own in other words the respect she receives in her in-laws house or in the society is based on how much jewelry she is gifted by her family at the time of marriage or later by her husband those who received a lot of them are usually praised regarded lucky and the rest are mocked or considered unlucky do you still agree with this men too are equally victims of society their worth is reduced to how much money they are capable of earning so it's obvious that they would rather die than express their inability today's story is also about a man who goes to various extents to cover his pride because he doesn't want to lose his face in front of his bride hey everyone welcome back to yet another episode of books.com with me subhashni last but not the least in the translation series i do consider not to miss out our indian shakespeare's masterpiece gaban now who hasn't heard the name of munshi premchand but have you heard any of his books praised more than godan Gaban the well-known novel of Premchand was first published in 1931 in both Hindi and Urdu languages just 5 years before his death however it wasn't until 2000 that it got translated to english by christopher r king this novel begins in a monsoon where swings have been placed in mango orchards and a young girl with big eyes is swinging her name is jalpa Her mother buys a chandrahar, a turquoise-colored crystal necklace for her from a peddler, and this becomes her dearest toy. Actually, this love for ornaments is instilled in her by her father, Deen Dayal, because whenever he went to Prayag, he would definitely get some ornament for Jalpa. He considered dolls and toys worthless, and that's why Jalpa played only with ornaments. These were her only toys now she would wear the same necklace for any occasion or festival in the village and according to her no other ornament seemed suitable but when her father gets a real golden chandrahar for her mother manki jalpa doesn't like her crystal necklace anymore she begins to pester deen dayal to make one for her this golden necklace costed 600 rupees which was a huge amount those days for Deen Dayal who was after all just the landlord's attorney and got a meager salary of 5 rupees in order to pacify Jalpa her mother assures that Jalpa will get her necklace from her in-laws her mother's words get branded into her heart and from there begins her desire for chandrahar after 7 years of waiting Finally the day arrives when Jalpa thinks her long held desire would be fulfilled. She's about to get married to Ramanath, an idler whose desires were fulfilled through his friends. He is a simple villager who idles away his time by playing chess and spending time with his friends. His father Dayanath, Jalpa's father-in-law, is a straightforward gentleman and kind-hearted person who too struggles to make his ends meet though ramanath is handsome he's pleasure seeking boastful and a morally weak person premchand has spent his characters in such a way that the reader gets lost in the novel as 
the real life. During the time of her marriage, in her charava, Jalpa receives several jewels. But when she comes to know that she hasn't received any chandrahar from her in-laws, she is heartbroken and gets upset. She has spent up so much hope for this particular jewel that she couldn't appreciate any others. She spoke bitterly to her friends. One of her friends even suggests that she should either insist on making the chandrahar soon or ask her mother to spare her chandrahar. But seeing her mother still wearing the chandrahar on her wedding, Jalpa is vexed and loses all hopes. In her in-laws house, the marriage expenses were arranged by Dayanath on loan money and jewels were made on credit. He is struggling to pay back the creditors. Now, to pay off the debts, Dayanath asks his wife and son to request the new bride to part with some of her jewels so that they can return it to the jeweller. Blinded with his love for his wife, Ramanath has already boasted a lot to Jalpa that they are very rich, they have zamindari that gives a profit of many thousands and that there is money in the bank which gives interest, so on and so forth. Now, if he asks her to return the jewellery, what will happen to his image? On the other hand, Jalpa had vowed not to touch any of the jewels that were offered by her in-laws until the chandrahar was made. She continued to wear her crystal necklace. In this situation, to hide his family's pathetic financial status, Ramanath steals the jewels locked inside her box to repay the creditors and lies to her that they got stolen. The whole family hides this truth. The loss of jewels along with Rama's exaggeration of his family's wealth further fuels Jalpa's expectations. After this incident, Jalpa is very sad and stops talking to anyone in the family and one day suddenly insists to go to her parents' house. If you are listening to this on Spotify or Apple, please do rate and review our show. To handle the situation positively and to fulfill Jalpa's unending desire of having Chandrahar, Ramanath takes up a job as a clerk in municipal office in Allahabad. Unlike many other writers, Premchand has a unique and appreciable quality. His novels do not contain any perfect hero or a flawless person. He shows them as they are. He reveals everything about the character while he introduces them. As with Ramanath, he never hesitates to tell lies or boast about himself and his family. It is this terrible habit of his which multiplies from 1 to 10 to 100, then to 1000 and so on. Jalpa, who is also the main protagonist during the first half, is shown as a good-for-nothing girl and who is only fond of jewels. On one hand, Ramanath is morally corrupt, while on the other hand, Jalpa is obsessed with jewellery and has hedonistic desires. This combination actually sets an uncanny subaudition between them. Once getting a job, Ramanath starts dressing opulently. Though his salary is mere 30 rupees per month, he shows off. He also realizes that he can make more money than the salary he is getting by taking bribes. He falls into this habit and because of his dressing and rich attitude, it leads the jewellers to believe that he had a lot of wealth and they start giving him jewels on credit. At first, he resists based on the advice from his friend. But later, 
succumbs to the temptation and also to the pressure from his wife he soon finds himself deep in debt but then again his ego prevents him from confessing this to his family or to his wife this novel very beautifully shows the social and economic conditions and conflicts of a north indian society in india before independence meanwhile his wife jalpa now that she has jewels starts mingling with the people around in the society she befriends a, a simple lady ratan who is the wife of an old rich lawyer and lives in a bungalow ratan also asks rama to buy a bracelet similar to the one jalpa sports rama realizes that no jeweler is willing to entertain him now as he has not repaid his debts he uses the money given by ratan to pay off his past dues to the jewelers instead of buying the gold bracelet he assumes that the jeweler will make the bracelet but once bitten twice shy the jeweler keeps putting off rama and does not make the bracelet now ratan too starts demanding him to either get her the bracelet or give the money back putting rama in a very tight situation one day while overseeing the money collected at the municipal office on a spur of moment he decides to take the money home he tells his wife that he has managed to get back ratan's money from the jeweler and goes for a walk in the meantime jalpa gives the money to ratan when he comes home he realizes the disaster he thinks of somehow getting back the money from ratan but his fear and ego do not let him to ask for the money to avoid the consequences of embezzlement he runs away to calcutta without informing anyone leaving jalpa alone in all sorts of troubles whether jalpa is able to find his whereabouts does she show a sign of womanly bravado and arrive in calcutta and how she rightly saves him from the grip of corrupt police forms the rest of the story Premchand weaves a heart-rendering and extremely interesting concoction between a wife desperate to find her husband and the husband desperate to get out of this cycle of guilt. You may wonder why Jalpa loved jewels more than anything else in her life. But when you read the book, the writer justifies her character. In the world of women those days, there was nothing else to talk about except about who made what kind of jewelry for how much whether they were solid or hollow studded with gems or plain and which girl's wedding how many jewels had been given all these were discussed and there was constant criticism and counter criticism commentaries and counter commentaries on this but after ramanand's sudden disappearance in a due course of time there comes a change in jalpa's mind and heart her love for her husband starts growing She understands that jewels are not everything in her life. She accepts the fact that she is not married in such a family where her husband can afford her such precious golden bracelets and other jewelry. The title Gaban means embezzlement. Embezzlement occurs twice in the novel and by now you would have understood how the whole story revolves around it. Premchand writes on the realistic issues of those days though these issues prevail even today like communalism corruption zamindari debt poverty etc there is a lot happening in the book and none of it feels forced 
However, the most gratifying element of the book is the role of a female protagonist. It is always a central and dominant one and also the representation of other female characters is brilliantly handled. They are the real heroes, be Jalpa, Ratan, Johara or Jaggu. They stand stronger in front of the male characters and provide the direction to the storyline. Perhaps he always believed in the importance of their role in the society. When the character of Zohra unfolds, I observed one similarity between this book and Crime and Punishment and that is a prostitute can offer salvation to a man. Through these characters, their acquaintances and friends, we see many glimpses of India which doesn't feel very strange despite there being a gap of nearly a century from when it was published. A lot of it is very familiar, the people, their practices, the casual casteism, the poverty and the corruption in the state. Even in Calcutta, Rama entangles himself in some serious problems, failing to realize that only truth will set him free and when he does, he again falls prey to corrupt policemen. Jalpa's virtuousness, courage and compassionate nature comes out in the second half which plays a pivotal role in the redemption of Rama. The author treats urgent themes with a moral dimension and goes for idealistic endings in which characters must repent, reform and reconstitute their lives and themselves before they can live happily ever after. With a blend of sarcasm and humor, he brings about complex and flawed characters which go through gradual but believable change while keeping the story alive. We can surely praise the Upanya Samrat for his versatility. He brilliantly describes every class of Indian society, be it rich or poor. He has used literature for the purpose of arousing public awareness about national and social issues and often wrote about topics related to corruption, child widowhood, prostitution, feudal system, poverty, colonialism and on the India's freedom movement. The other issues this book discusses are gender equality, abolishment of cruel traditions against women and education. It also portrays beautifully female friendships, the concept of acceptance and found family as well as how innocent lives get manipulated by the people in the authority. His writing allows to experience reality in almost a hilarious manner. The style of writing and plot is familiar if you have had a chance to read his other Hindi stories. Gaban is a classic novel which describes a true picture of Indian society warning us about lust for jewels, greed, falsehood and how this combined with fear makes many Indians corrupt. Christopher King's translation has enabled readers from other states to enjoy this novel. His style doesn't differ much from that of Premchand's, as I've already read the original in Hindi. I recommend this book not only to Indian readers, as they can relate to the circumstances and environment better, but also to others because the moral is universal. Hope you liked my review and you know where to find me on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube to share your comments and book suggestions. If you haven't clicked that follow button, do consider doing it. You can also write to me at books.com by subhashni at gmail.com. Thank you for staying tuned till the end. See you in the next episode of books.com. Till then.
Sayonara.